Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Mother's Day to all of our moms, grandmothers, mom figures here. It is wonderful to have you here, and welcome everyone who's tuning in online. Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms watching today as well. I'm grateful for this opportunity to gather with you, make his praise glorious, and celebrate his, at, at, the, off, at the outset here, his amazing grace. Are you ready? All right, here we go. All right, let's put our hands together just like that. This is amazing grace. Here we go, church. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger than he has for me? The King above all kings Who shakes the whole earth With holy thunder And leaves us breathless In awe and wonder The King of glory The King above all kings And this is This is amazing grace that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you lay down your life, that I would be set free, oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. All that you've done for me. And who brings? Who brings the chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory. The King of glory. Nation. With truth and justice Shines like the sun in All of its brilliance The King of glory The King above all kings Oh, this is This is amazing grace This is a failing love That you would take my place That you my you lay down, you lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. He's worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was saved. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Sing it again. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. 
the grave. The grave could not ignore it. All of heaven's roaring. Hell, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The world could not ignore it. When all the saints are roaring. Hell, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The grave could not ignore it. All of heaven's roaring. Hell, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The grave could not ignore it. All the saints are roaring. Hell, where is your victory? Death, where is your for that and all of those reasons that were mentioned in that song and you know before we move into our next one um, I want to kind of give us a little bit of space here to really uh, bring our hearts and minds into what we're singing and what we're doing I'm not saying you haven't done that already I'm just saying I really want to make an effort to really make an opportunity for that to happen if we could just If I could just ask you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want to invite you. you We're about to sing 10,000 Reasons. I want to invite you to just take a moment, just between you and the Lord, to offer up a prayer of gratitude. Just take a moment to thank Him. Think of reasons to worship Him. Reasons to give Him praise. Maybe it was how he provided for something for you recently or maybe a word of encouragement from a friend or some insight from his word, whatever that may be, just between you and the Lord right now. Take a moment to offer up a prayer of gratitude and then we'll continue.
Father, for all the reasons that have been lifted up to you right now, for the reasons in my heart, we say thank you. We give thanks to you, our God and our King. Your love endures forever. And for all of these reasons and so many more, we bless you. We thank you. We honor you. We worship you. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul.
once again, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. We sing, oh my soul. I worship Your holy name. I will worship. I'll worship your holy name. One more time, church. I will worship your holy name. Amen. Well, before we keep uh, worshiping the Lord, I'd like you to take the time to greet one another and tell everyone what your one thing you're grateful for today. folks let's make our way back to our seats really um thankful what i'm thankful for right now is to be able to uh join elsa in leading this next song with you taken right from scripture right from proverbs chapter three you know god we can trust god because he has proven himself trustworthy time and time again and i just would love for us right now to rehearse together God's faithfulness, God's trustworthiness with this beautiful and beautiful, a beautiful and simple song. It goes like this. Here we go. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hand of the maker of heaven. Once again. I lean not on my own understanding. Is in the hand of the Maker of Heaven. Sing it again, church. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hand of the Maker of Heaven. I lean not on my own understanding. 
approach it with our hands wide open knowing that we can trust him to help us scale it. Here we go. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this Nothing I hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. Nothing I hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. Nothing I hold on to. Sing it again, church. There's nothing I hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. Nothing I hold on to. Nothing I hold on to. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. 
once again now. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hand of the maker of heaven. Oh, I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hand. And I give it all to you, God. Trust in that you'll make something beautiful out of me. I give it all to you, God. I give it all to you, God. Trust in that you'll make something beautiful out of me. Do it again, church. I give it all to you, God. Trust in that you'll make something beautiful out of me. One final time. I give it all to you, God. Trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. Let's pray. Lord, help us to trust in you with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. Help us to acknowledge you in all of our ways so that you can make our paths straight. Whatever obstacles we are facing, whatever mountains we need to scale, whatever problems need to be addressed, no matter how big or how small, we want to approach them with our hands wide open in humility and in surrender to you, to the one who sees it all, who knows it all, who isn't surprised or caught off guard by anything, who can be trusted. We love you, God. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat, everybody. Right now, would you please turn your attention toward the screen? provider, making sure our stomachs are full, our clothes are warm, and our hearts are content. A mother is a protector, watching out for us, defending us, and always keeping our best in mind. A mother is a listener, patiently hearing our stories, our questions, our fears, and our dreams. A mother is a friend, caring for us, comforting us, laughing with us, and sharing with us all she has. A mother is a guide, walking us through the hills and valleys of life, showing us the way, even when the road is rocky and uncertain. for you.
mother is a hero who lays down her life for another, expecting nothing in return. And so from all of us, to all of you, thank you. That's a great video, isn't it? Wow. I watched that at home. Got to preview it. I'm grateful so I wasn't, you know, a mess right now (laughs) standing up here. You never know what's going to hit you at the least expected times. That would be an expected time, though, right? Well, it's sure good to be back with you. It's been a bit, and I'm grateful to come on Mother's Day. got me thinking a lot about my mom. I have a new love and appreciation for mom today. Part of it's just connected to my brother, Greg. We uh, get together once a month, and, and he loves to just recount stories. He's a younger brother, and so the stories he recounts most of the time are things that I did wrong, you know, as the older brother in the home. Two, we have uh, four, four kids, four siblings, and so he's been telling me a lot of the stories of my junior high and senior high years and how, how hard I made it for my mom. He would say, you know, it wasn't a dream come true experience raising you, David, you know, that kind of thing. And so I've been contemplating those for several months now. We've been getting together once a month, and and he's got a ton of stories he wants to share with me. Uh, But it it got me thinking about how thankful I am. And I'd, I'd love to just be able to express my mom today. She's in heaven now. She's been in heaven for 45 years. So you do the math. Yeah, I know. It looks like I'm 110 or something, but I'm not. But she's in heaven having a wonderful life, and I hope that someday I will be able to express my love and appreciation for her in ways that I didn't express on like a Mother's Day. I missed out on a lot of opportunities to do that. I would go back, and I would thank her for her unceasing love, you know, when I was pretty unlovable, she still loved me. I would thank her for her counsel. I would thank her for her correction. I would thank her for her godly example. There are so many things I would thank her for. And, you know, sometimes it's just stories, like stories that my brother's been recounting with me. Sometimes it's the stories that take you back and, and they bring to mind things that have happened in our lives. I don't know if you're a part of Facebook or Instagram, you know, they have a way of sending you pictures every now and then, and it gets you to remember something that happened, you know, 10 years ago on this day, and, you know, they label it and stuff like that. And, and all of a sudden, you're caught up in that story again. You're remembering what happened. Well, today, what I want to do is I just want to take you through some of the stories of Scripture, because I think it will give us on Mother's Day a new sense of appreciation and thankfulness for our God and for what he has done for us. Because I really believe that the more we get to know the stories of the entire Bible, so from the book of beginnings all the way to the book of new beginnings, so from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, I think as we begin to get those stories in our minds, it will give us a greater love and appreciation for God. 
not only will it impact us potentially, but it could be used in our lives to then impact other people. I like how Tim Keller put it. Let's see if we can get these to flip here. Yeah, good. Tim Keller, author, pastor, I'm sure many of you have read his wonderful works that he's written so many books. But he said this, many people think of the Bible as a book of moral teachings with stories sprinkled through to illustrate the teachings. But it's a lot better than that. The Bible is a single true story with teachings sprinkled through to illustrate the story. So the Bible, yeah, it's a book of stories, but it is a book that has a story behind the stories. And so what we're going to try to do today for you is we're going to try to do something that maybe some of you have never done before, and that is see if you could put the story together from beginning to end, from the book of beginnings all the way to the book of of new beginnings. So we've passed around some clipboards that you might want to, you know, be able to at least take that sheet of paper there, that note sheet, and put it on top, fold it in half maybe, and you can put it on the clipboard. If you don't have a clipboard, we've got several around here. Find one if you'd like, if that'll help you. But I think it would be great just to get a few stories and concepts down that will take us all the way through the Scriptures. And you say, well, could that be helpful? Well, let me just frame it this way. You know, after Jesus was resurrected, it took some time for that to sink in, didn't it? I mean, even those who were his followers uh, didn't believe it right away. It took some doing for them to believe that he had actually done what he said he was going to do. I mean, it's like, okay, guys, you know, I mean, come on. But one of the stories that's told is one in Luke chapter 24. You're probably familiar with this account, Luke chapter 24, where two guys are walking on the road to Emmaus. Remember this? It was a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And a man, a stranger to them, appeared out of nowhere, and he asked them what they were talking about. And, of course, this stranger was Jesus, but they didn't know it was Jesus. So what happens here is fascinating already. It's already broken. That's no, okay. We got a person in the booth who can help us. Go ahead. There you go. And so uh, they, they they were talking, and Jesus then of Nazareth, he joined them. And they asked, excuse me, confused here. What was I saying? I, Jesus, they said to Jesus said to them, "What are you guys talking about?" And they said about Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God. And all the people and the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. And then they said this, but we had hope that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. So in other words, these guys' hopes had been dashed because as far as they know, Jesus is still dead. It's been three days. So they somehow have made a connection here that he had said Kill me three days later, I'm going to be out of the grave. But they don't at this point believe that or they've not heard that in a way that convinced them. So they are low on hope of whether or not Jesus, in fact, was that promised Messiah, the anointed one. So what does Jesus do? Now, what's fascinating is verses 25 and 26, where in Luke 24, it says, So Jesus said to them, How Foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe 
all that the prophets have spoken, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So in other words, this stranger, he's still not told them who he is, is telling them, hey, you know, if you'd have checked out the scriptures closely, the scriptures pointed, the prophets pointed toward a savior who was going to suffer. He was going to experience what it was you've experienced. So it's it's not like a surprise. It was prophesied. This was a part of God's plan. And then that being the case, what does Jesus do next? And this is fascinating to me. You say, oh, I, I think what he did next was he opened their eyes and then they could see and then they said, wow, it's you. I can't believe it. You're, you are alive. You just joined us. Wow. Is that what he did? No. It, it does say he did that. If you go down to verse 31 of this text, Luke chapter 24, he did that. But he didn't open their eyes until he did something before that they needed to hear and to understand. And so in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So what did Jesus do? He told them God's story. He went behind all the stories and he took them on a journey of God's life-changing story, of God's redemption story. We sometimes call it the gospel story, the good news story, the story that changes people's lives now and forever. And so how did he do that? He did it in a way that we could do it. He took Moses, he went through the passages or some stories that are in the books of Moses, which would be what? First five books of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we call it the what? The law. What else do we call it? The Pentateuch, the Torah, okay? So Jesus began right there with these two guys who aren't convinced that Jesus rose from the dead. And so he takes them back to Moses, and then he takes them to the prophets. Now, when we think of the prophets, we think of the 17 books of prophecy that are found in the Old Testament. But Jesus had in mind the rest of the Old Testament. So he had in mind 34 books of the Old Testament. All right? So we got five books, and then we got 34 books. So Jesus took them through all of that so that they could be convinced. He explained to them how what happened was exactly what God said would happen. Now, what we've learned, my wife and I, over the past several years is that we've learned if we can story for people with some storyboards, with 15 storyboards, we can tell the entire story of the Bible from beginning to end. And I just want to just briefly give you a little flow of that this morning, just a little bit of understanding of that, because believe it or not, God will use those stories to change people's lives. In fact, here's what I found. People love pictures. And people love stories. And the proof of that is they're hanging around on Facebook a lot. You know, and most of what's going on on Facebook is our pictures and pictures that people connect stories to. And when you see the picture, it reminds you the story of what took place at that time. Instagram, pretty much the same kind of thing. And I think that we could use some pictures that can prompt us to tell the entire gospel story. The good news is, is that we not only get to talk about 
the books of Moses and the rest of the prophets, but we also get to talk about the New Testament. And that all the more can help us, can't it? I mean, so many times what we talk about, and this isn't bad, but we can enlarge what it is that we talk about if we talk about the whole Scripture. So if all we focus on is the New Testament, we really miss the setup. <laughs> Huge setup to why in the world do we even need a Savior? So we're just going to work through some simple storyboards. The first five storyboards actually focus on the books of Moses. And the second five focus on the rest of the prophets, or as, uh, as in Jesus' words, so this would be all the way from Joshua all the way through Malachi. And then the last five focus on the intertestamental time, that 400-year period of silence or waiting, the shift there. And then you've got Jesus in the book of Acts, and you've got the, uh, the epistles. What was an epistle? It was a letter, right? Not the wife of an apostle. I know some of you thought it was, but it was just a letter. And then you have the book of Revelation. And so we can just take these simple stories and we can tell God's entire love story, can't we? So let's talk about it. i just teach them to you. If you want to write down a note or two, jot it down there. I'm going to give you a little gift here at the end. And uh, that will help you also. But you're going to hear something right now. You already probably know most of these. I don't think, can I, can I do this now? No, I guess not. That's okay. We tried it, but it didn't work for me. Okay, that's all right. Um, so this is the book of what? Genesis. Genesis, the book of beginnings. And what we're told in the beginning was that God created the heavens and the earth, right? So this is a prompter. This reminds us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man and he created woman so that they might love him like he loved them. He loved them. They might choose to love him and that they might enjoy life with God in all of its fullness and all of its beauty forever. And everything was perfect in all that God created until... Now we get to that second picture. Until the first couple did the one thing God forbid. What did they do? Yeah, they bit the forbidden fruit. We call it the proverbial apple. I don't know. It could have been a banana because it was so appealing. (laughs) But we just used the apple here. And we remember that sin, as God said, if you disobey me, sin and death will come into the world, which it did. In fact, Adam and Eve did the thing that we do, and often we sin. They hid from God in an attempt to cover up their sin. And things got worse. Now, what's amazing here is here with sin, God gives them a glimmer of hope, doesn't he? He promises that there's going to come, as a descendant of Eve, someone who ultimately is going to inflict a death blow on the one that deceived them. The the serpent, Satan, and going to end, and this one is going to end Satan's kingdom forever. I just point that out at this point because what you see as you work your way through the storyline, there's so many things we could talk about. We could talk right now we can about the time of Noah, can't we? 
and how things got so bad that God was grieved he had made mankind, and he said he was going to wipe mankind out. He didn't wipe them all out. No one in his family survived. And they then multiplied. What happened after that? Things went bad again. As mankind multiplied, so did wickedness and evil. In fact, we read about this place called the Tower of Babel. Do you remember that? And how it was a way, evidently, for mankind to say, we don't need you, we could do it without you. And ultimately, what God did in his mercy and his grace, and this is what you see over and over, is that our God is a God of grace and mercy, was in the time of Abraham, he chose Abram, and he said to Abraham that through his family tree, <laughs> that included Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, so you got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph there, that through his family tree, ultimately one who would come, who would bless the world. And that family tree came to be known as the chosen people. They were chosen by God to be the vehicles through which God's word would be proclaimed and ultimately salvation would be proclaimed. And as time went on, all kinds of things happened in and through this family. But ultimately, they ended up down in Egypt. You may remember that account. And they were in bondage down there. They were enslaved down in Egypt. They cried out to God for a deliverer, and God sent a deliverer to them, and that was Moses. And we remember that Moses didn't want the job, right? I mean, he didn't think he was qualified. And the fact of the matter was, in many ways, he's not qualified any more than we are, but God was qualified because he was able to do miracles way beyond the capacity of Moses. In fact, one of those miracles was the day when he parted the waters of the Red Sea and saved his children from death at the hands of the who? Of the Egyptian armies. And then God did something that he told Abraham he was going to do. He was going to take them to the promised land. And so he led them to the promised land. When they got to the promised land, he said, okay, so let's go in. But they had already sent 12 of their own into the land to check the line out for as spies, like for 40 days, 40 nights. And guess what happened? They came back with a negative report. Remember the negative report? There are giants that are living there. The Ammonites, the Moabites, the Electrolytes, the Termites, you know, those people, they're all there. And we're not going to go into the land. So when God said go, they said, no, not going. And they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years to their deaths. You know, the amazing thing during that time of wandering, again, is that you see the mercy of God. When they needed water, God gave them water. When they needed bread, he gave them bread. What was the bread called? Manna. Yeah, what does manna mean? What is it? That's what it means. What is it? This is what we're having? What is it? That went on for 40 years. He gave them, at one point, they're just tired of the, you know, the manna. So they said, we want some meat. Remember how he gave them some meat? Gave them quail. They had to run over here, run over there to get it. In fact, it's the first example of fast foods in the Bible. <laughs> Gets better. And, you know, ultimately, God had enough of their whining and complaining. I mean, these guys are like moaning about everything. And at one point, God said, that's it. He sent serpents. Remember this? Poisonous serpents that bit them. And if the serpents bit them, they died. But even then, our merciful God, this is the story you're going to see over and over throughout the Old Testament. Even though the merc our merciful God want a relationship with him, he told Moses one day, he said, you get a staff 
I want you to raise that staff up, but I want you to craft a serpent on that staff. And then if anybody is bitten by a poisonous snake, then you just raise the staff up. And people will look to that staff and that snake, and they will live. And, of course, we know that that ultimately pointed to another one that would be lifted up on a wooden staff on a cross. And if anybody looked to that one, they would live. It's an incredible picture, isn't it? Jesus talked about that. Well, ultimately, the generation that would not obey God died in the desert. And uh, the new generation, the children of the parents and grandparents that died in the desert, they didn't die. And God did what it was he said he was going to do. It took 40 years more, but he brought them to the promised land. And this time, they trusted God. The same giants are still living there. And they followed Joshua, Moses' replacement, into the land. We're beginning with the walled city of what? Of Jericho. Yeah, they took possession of the land. And they saw God defeat the giants. And they enjoyed living in the land of milk and honey. And they sought to please God by obeying his word and his will. People like Joshua said, and then for me and my house, we're going to, we're going to serve the Lord. I mean, if you were to look through the Old Testament of how well God's people did, this would be, you know, like a peak moment. It really was a peak moment. Unfortunately, the days that followed were filled with a group of people who turned their backs on God. They, they walked away from the God of their fathers and they worshipped other gods. And there's this phrase that's used during this judge's period of time. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it's kind of like right now, the world we're living in. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. And that went fine until they couldn't take it. Their enemies overpowered and conquered them. And so they ended up crying out to Almighty God. And what did Almighty God do in his grace? He sent judges. And why did the judges come? People like Deborah and Gideon and Samson, why did they come? So that ultimately God's people could be delivered over and over again. This pattern, this cyclical pattern where you turn away from God and turn to God, where you disobey God and you obey God, where you love God, not love God. This pattern repeated itself many times for almost 400 years. And you'd think at this point that finally God's kids are saying, okay, you know, I think we're going to get this right this time. We're going to stop trying to do things our own way because it's just not working out for us. But quite frankly, they just didn't give up their wicked ways, stubborn ways. And so what happens is, is they start looking around at the world and they see that nobody else is really going after the judge thing anymore. So they wanted what everybody else had, was, which was king's. So they went to Samuel, and they said to Samuel, Hey, Samuel, can you talk to God for us? We want a king. And, of course, the point is, is that God's already their king, right? He's called the king of kings. So they want, though, a visible king. So God says to Samuel, Okay, I'm going to give them a king. They're going to get a kingdom, and they're going to get the consequences of living with that kind of of a king. And so what God does is he gives them, first of all, Saul, David, and Solomon. Now, how did that go? Did that turn out to be a great thing? 
Saul turned his back on God. David walked in God's ways imperfectly. Solomon was on and off in his relationship with God. He wrote a book about it called Ecclesiastes. And after those three, you know how many more kings there were? There were 39 more kings. You know how many of the 39 of those kings walked with God? Eight. Eight. Josiah, Hezekiah, a few others. All right? You can go look them up. But the point is, is that for the most part, 42 kings in all, for the most part, you only have 10, 10 kings that walked in the ways of the Lord. The others turned their back on God. And ultimately, because that was happening, God sent these prophets. That's a little prophetic megaphone there down in the corner. So you wonder where all of those books of prophecy fit into the storyline. They start right here at the point where God's people are an all-time low. And in spite of all of the admonitions and the pleadings and the warnings, God's children did not give up their wicked practices in stubborn ways. So ultimately, God let them experience the consequences of their sin. So when we come to this time of what we know as the exile that lasts for 70 years, It is really the result of God's children's sin where they continue to turn away from God instead of walk to God. But even then, how did God respond? Did he dump them? No. In fact, he sent some more prophets. See the little prophetic megaphone? He sent Ezekiel and Daniel. And why did he send Ezekiel and Daniel? Well, because... He wanted to let them know that they still had a future, that he loved them, that he cared for them. In fact, two sons of men, Ezekiel and Daniel, spoke about many things, but one of the things they talked about was the coming son of man. Two sons of men spoke about the coming son of man who would come and ultimately give people a new heart and a new spirit and a new life. And a new future. But as predicted, God's children were away from the homeland in exile for 70 years until their return. And when they came back after 70 years, they had they've had ex- plenty of time to get things right in their relationship with God now, didn't they? I mean, they had 25,000 plus days. So you think, OK, they're going to get it right this time, right? Well, think again. 50,000 of them came back first. So not all of them came back at the same time. 50,000 came back with a guy named Zerubbabel. All right? They came back for one main reason, to rebuild the temple. How did that go? Well, they got started on the temple. They took two years. They built the foundation. Then you know what they did? They clocked out, and they went off. And they built their own homes for the next 16 years. Now, that's a long time to be away from the job, wouldn't you say? I mean, they came back after a 70-year exile to build the temple, but they didn't do it. I mean, they got the foundation done, so God had to send two more prophets. You see that little prophetic megaphone? Haggai and Zechariah. And what did these guys talk about? They talked about getting things done first that are priority, kind of like seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, that kind of thing. And, and they gave them tremendous incentive 
for getting the job done. They talked about how the desired of all nations would come one day to this temple and manifest a greater glory than the first temple saw, which was Solomon's. Uh, the desired of all nations. Who is that? That's the coming Messiah. And finally, they got back on the job. They got the, the temple done in four years after that. And we say, oh, great. And everything was good after that. Well, not really, because ultimately God had to send Malachi. And the reason he sent Malachi was because the people's hearts had been hardened toward God. And that's where the Old Testament ends. So what you've got for all of these books is essentially the same storyline, right? People want to have a life with God. They walk away from God. They walk and do what's right in their own eyes instead of walking God's ways. It's over and over. You ever heard the verse, for all have sinned and fall short? of? There's plenty of evidence there, isn't there? We think we can get it together ourselves. We can't. I mean, we've got thousands of years of history that prove that. But in the midst of all of that, God loves us. And he cares about us, and he works to have a relationship with us. He doesn't dump us like we dump him. And so between the Old Testament book of Malachi and the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, there's a period of time of waiting. God didn't show up in any clouds. He didn't show up in any burning bushes. It was just a time of waiting. Nobody prophesied during those years. But in the midst of the waiting and the silence, God was making some final last-minute preparations. You say, in what way? Well, one, he brought a common language into the world through the empire that was first in power during those years, Greece. He brought a common language, Greek, into the world. And God also used the Empire of Rome during those years to build roads throughout the world. Now, let me ask you, when the Messiah comes, could a common language and roads throughout the world possibly in some way make it possible for the gospel to spread to all peoples? I think so. And that was part of the preparation. He also worked in the hearts of his children who experienced a lot of persecution during that 400-year period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He gave them a new excitement and longing for the coming of their promised Messiah. And what we're told is, according to Galatians 4.4, is that in the fullness of time, God sent forth in his son, born of a woman, born under the law. His name was Jesus. And his story is told, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell us that Jesus was born, he grew up, he ministered to all kinds of people. He died on a cross, he was raised from the dead, and he went back to heaven. And he did all of that to make it possible for people like us to be saved from our sins and to be brought back into a relationship with God and to experience forgiveness. In fact, through Jesus Christ, we're adopted into God's family. Our death penalty is canceled, and our future is filled with hope. And this hope, in part, is directly talked about in the book of Acts, which you're all studying right now. I like to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in the early versions of the Bible, in the table of contents, when you looked at it, instead of saying the Acts of the Apostle, it actually talked about the Acts of the Holy Spirit. 
because it was the Holy Spirit working through the apostles and others. And it's just fascinating because Jesus here we see in the beginning pages, and I know you've studied this recently, he went back to heaven, said, you guys wait, don't you go anywhere, do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit came on Jesus' apostles and 120 other believers, which made it possible for them to do what Jesus wanted them to do, which was to spread God's good news story, life-changing story, throughout the city of Jerusalem, then in the regions of Judea and Samaria, and from there to the four corners of the earth. And the incredible impact that that early church had was obviously beyond human ability. It was the direct result of the filling work of the Holy Spirit that brought, for instance, courage and conviction and change in people like Peter and Paul. I mean, just the fact that Peter got it back together and Paul had any interest in coming to a relationship with God through Christ and others, Phoebe and Priscilla and others, they were all used dramatically by God in those years to spread God's good news story throughout that entire region. And this, then, is where we start coming into the picture, isn't it? Because God wants to use us, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to bring the gospel story to people everywhere. And as we turn from the book of Acts and we look at the 21 epistles that follow, we see that that is exactly what the disciples did. And the people that came to faith in Christ, they went out making disciples. In other words, they followed the example of Jesus. Remember, Jesus, from the outset, he said to some fishermen, follow me, and I'll what? And I'm going to make you fishers of men. Well, that's what discipleship is all about. And that's what we see described in these 21 letters that follow Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's all about one person impacting another, who then impacts another. And so in this case, Jesus impacts some fishermen who impacted other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Discipleship is all about two main things. The front half and the back half of the Great Commission. The front half's all focused on evangelism. The back half's focused on edification. The front half is focused on helping people come to Christ. The back half is focused on helping people become more and more like Christ. It's all about helping people grow in their love for God and their love for others. And so that model or that mandate that Jesus gave people in the first century still has application in the 21st century. Because God wants to continue to use us today to carry out his good news story to people everywhere. There's going to be a day where the opportunity to make disciples is going to come to an end. And God's salvation story is going to reach its grand conclusion. Jesus talked about a time when God's going to judge evil and sin and he's going to eliminate it once and for all. And God's children are forever going to enjoy and inhabit a new heavens and a new earth, and life's going to be like it was meant to be all along. Wickedness, crime, pain, disease, death, all of that's going to be gone. And there will be a new beginning. We call them new beginnings. And God is going to, through his son, Jesus Christ, fulfill that which he promised. And we are going to dwell with God Forever. Now that's the story that God wants us to share with people everywhere, isn't it? And and we found that you can share this story just with some pictures. In fact, we're going to make these pictures available to you.
they have uh, some of them, the beginning, the first 15 have the key words on them. And the following 15 have no keywords on them. So if you show them to somebody, you can then explain to them the storyboards and the story behind it. And what's wonderful about stories and pictures is you can say as little as you want to say, or you could say as much as you want to say. It just kind of depends upon whether or not the people are engaging with you. And, and you know what I found? I found that you can share pictures like this in just a few minutes if you want. Now, I took probably 15, I don't know how many minutes, 20 minutes there to share that with you. Uh, A little bit longer than I would ever share it with uh, my salonist, for instance. Recently, a few months ago, I asked the person that cuts my hair. I don't know what you call them anymore. Call a salonist, I guess. You don't usually call them a barber anymore. But anyway... So I, I said, has anybody ever helped you understand the story that the Bible tells us about? It's a story. Did you know it was a story? I said, no, no. Well, I know you probably heard of some of the stories, but has anybody ever helped you understand the whole story? She said, no. And I said, well, hey, I got some pictures here. You like pictures? Oh, yeah. You like stories? Yeah. And so within 10 minutes, that's all it took to cut my hair. It doesn't take much. We were able to go through the entire storyline. You know, I find that you can do that. It fascinates people. And, and what this is is just another tool in your tool chest. It, it's a tool that uses the Word of God to tell the entire story. Now, is the Word of God important? Remember Jesus said that I want you to go out and I want you to sow the seeds of what? The gospel. The, the seed, he said... Luke chapter 8, for instance, in verse, what is it, about 11, something like that? He said, the seed is the word of God. And James chapter 1, verse 21 tells us that it is the word of God implanted in the life of a person that ultimately saves their soul. So what that is to say to us is that we have our story and we have God's story, and we need to be sharing our story because it's how God has worked his story, into our story. So we need to share our story, testimonies, and everything else that goes with that is so important. The Apostle Paul told his story. Stephen told his story. So we can go through and we can look at all these stories. They're so important. But it's also important for us to be able to share the Word of God, the story, God's story. And we're just finding over the past several years that people love to talk through this story when somebody shows them a few pictures. So we have them on our phones. And I would encourage you, in fact, why don't you just go to the final slide. I would encourage you on your note sheet to see to go to that QR code. Keep going all the way. There it is. That's the QR code that's on your message slides. And you could scan that from where you're sitting right now. But, I mean, excuse me, they're on your message notes. And you can scan that right there. It'll take you to a page at BibleStoryboards.com. And we've put on that page for you a way for you to download the story in all of these images and have it on your phone so that the next time, perhaps, God opens the door for you to talk about spiritual things with somebody, You've got to first prepare yourself to do this, but you'll be ready to share the story. Now, here's what I found. Is that just about everybody has a phone these days. So what we want to do is get these storyboards on every phone. 
We really do. And it would be wonderful if people like ourselves prayed, God, give me an opportunity every week to tell your story to someone. Just another tool in the tool chest. Just another amazing way to help people understand the gospel. So you can go to that page, and if you don't know how to download it, talk to me afterwards, or I'll point you toward somebody who's very smart, you know, like Matt. And he, can, he can show you how to download this thing. But you put it on your phone. You can have the color pictures, and you can have the black and whites. Take them all, okay? They're all there for you. Uh, and ask God to help you learn the storyline and then begin to share the story. There's a, a, a slide in there that has a quote by Cliff Nectel. Can you back up on that somewhere? I'm going a little bit out of order, so I'm keeping them on. There it is, keeping them on their toes. But I like what Cliff said. He said, a person's coming to Christ is like a chain with many links. There are many influences and conversations that precede a person's decision to convert to Christ. And then he said this, I know the joy of being the first link at times. A middle link, usually, and occasionally the last link. God's not called me to only be the last link. He has called me to be faithful and to love all people. And one of the ways that we can love all people is by doing what Jesus did. If you want another example, go to the end of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28. You'll get there. And what you're going to see there is see, the Apostle Paul did the exact same thing Jesus did. I think he learned it from Jesus. He took people back to the law, and then he took them through the prophets, and then he brought it into Jesus. And so my encouragement to you is to do the same thing. So how do you do that? We're giving you a, a book on the way out. I think we've got enough copies back there right now for everybody to get one of these, okay? Um, we were just going to say the mothers are the only ones that could get these today because we didn't think we had enough copies, but I think we're good. So I think you can all take one of these. we got some more that are coming next week, too. They're actually coming today to my house, but I'm not there. So anyway, so we'll get, we'll get some more back here next week. But it's called God's Life-Giving Story with giving you the same storyline that I just gave you just now. Somewhat the same. I never tell the story exactly the same. It's who I'm talking to and what do I need to focus on. I had a Muslim friend, owner of a 76 service station. We went out for lunch and I said, hey, man, does anybody ever help you understand the Bible story as it is all the way through? He said, oh, no. I said, well, let me help you while we're waiting for our lunch. I went through the first four storyboards. He said, Dave, we teach all four of those Muslims. The first four, pretty much the same. Different obvious applications. But so he was with me as we went through the remainder. So you never know how God's going to do this. But anyway, all this is is a little book. It just tells you just the, the brief, the cliff notes. If you like a cliff note book, this, is, this pocket book's cliff notes. But the cool thing is, besides the information that we've got here for you, is that in every one of these uh, days, so there's, it's divided up into 15 days, 15 storyboards, 15 days, you could do a 15-day devotion, okay? I think so. So anyway, what you're going to do is you go through here, and at the end of each day, there's a little application. There's another QR code here. It's not the same QR code I already showed you. But this QR code will take you to a YouTube 
private video that will give you from me a less than two-minute version of that storyboard. So it will give you some application. It will help you out. My whole idea here in talking about this today as a gift to moms and to the whole church is to help you do something that I'm wanting to do better, and that is to share my faith in Jesus Christ with others better than I'm sharing it right now. And I'm finding that pictures <laughs> my age and stories can help me do that. By the way, Grandma, your grandchildren love pictures and stories. You could be the one to teach them the entire story of the Bible. So get yourself ready. Work with them on doing that. They'll pick it up faster than you. But if you'll do that, who knows what God might do through you in new ways. Amen. Let's just pray. Lord, thanks for this time this morning to just share together. I pray that what we've talked about can help all of us tell your story with greater freshness, enthusiasm, excitement. As we focus on parts of the story that especially connect with people where they're living right now. But most of all, may we point them to Jesus. May we give them the gospel, the good news. In a world that's so filled with bad news right now. I can't even turn on the news without it being one bad news report after another. But in this world of bad news, there is good news. It's found in you. It's found in a relationship with you. It's found in your word. And may we love you in greater ways by understanding your story in greater ways. And then may you open doors for us to share that story with others for their good and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dave, thank you so very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Wow, yeah. There is nothing I can really add to that other than to say what a, what a beautiful and practical tool for sharing the beautiful and cohesive story of the Bible. It's not just 66 randomly haphazard books, you know, just... You know, taped together with scotch tape. It's a, it's a, it is one story, and that was just so um, encouraging to me, Dave. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. And encouraging for for all of you, I'm sure. Um, he he mentioned the books that are available, and I you saw that you if you you may have seen this on your seat, you may be using one right now. Dave advised me that uh, these are also available. You are welcome to take this uh, with you. And if you feel so led, if you'd like to make a small uh, donation to cover this and, and the, uh, the books, there's a basket on the table, the, the welcome table as you walk out the door. Uh, you're not obligated to, but I uh, wanted to mention that and a uh, very handy visual tool. So thank you for that. You're, you're welcome. You can also have, there's some stickers back there, some more stickers, because like you put it, we got the sticker on the, the board there, but... Um, you know, maybe you like to put a sticker on your guitar or you're on your computer or whatever it is. So we got some stickers there. And they're just if if you, you all you want to do is get familiar with the pictures, then get familiar with the keywords and then add some content to each one. Beautiful.
Can I put it on my case instead of yeah, the Yeah, of course. Okay, okay yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, that's better because the, to... the case people see the case. You know, <laughs> when your you. guitar's put away, they're not going to see I, it. I know what you mean. <laughs> um, uh, thank you so much. Um, uh, so a couple of things I want to mention before we close it out here today. Uh, speaking of God's word and going deeper and becoming more like Jesus, I want to remind you uh, – once again, about the small groups that we have going on, a couple of co-ed groups right now, as well as a men's group that's meeting on Thursday nights. And you can find information about these groups on our SVC app, uh, as well as on our website. So if you're not plugged into one yet, I invite you and encourage you to take that next step and dive in. It's a, a great experience. Thank you for that, for, for those who are leading that. And then finally, we want to worship God with our giving. As we heard from Dave, as we look at the totality of Scripture and the 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 the, the thread of of uh, that, that runs through through the whole story, the thread of Jesus, the, the thread of the gospel, um, it is that thread, it is that gospel that we get to that we have the privilege of faithfully uh, proclaiming week in and week out, and it's your generosity that helps to make that possible. So we thank you very much for your faithful giving to the mission of making disciples. Um, You can um, give uh, using our app. You can give on our website. And I believe, yes, there are uh, the different ways to give here on the screen. So um, thank you for worshiping God with your giving. Thank you for honoring him with the resources that he has entrusted to you. We are very grateful. So finally, I want to ask you to stand. And once again, the, the books uh, there uh, are on the table by the door and also on the table by the door. Moms, mom figures, grandmothers, there is a basket with some special uh, gifts for you that you can take with you as you leave today. And please feel, feel free to take more than one. Um, so thank you uh, for, for um being moms and we just honor you and we cherish you and we love you and appreciate you not only today but always so thank you thank you let's praise the king together one more time folks Let's sing. There's a reason why the curse of sin is broken. There's a reason why the darkness runs from light. There's a reason why we stand here now forgiven. Jesus is alive. There's a reason. There's a reason why we are not overtaken. There's a reason why we sing on through the night. There's a reason why we sing eternal. Jesus is alive. He is alive. Praise the King. Praise the King. 
so much for being here today. Once again, happy Mother's Day. We look forward to seeing you again next week.